Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Greeno, and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts, and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Untangled. We are so happy you have joined us for this episode of our podcast. Our conversation is going to be with Michelle Fadul, who is a licensed clinical social worker with Banner Alzheimer's Institute, and we're going to be discussing easing anxiety. I think oftentimes caregivers are surprised to learn that there is much more than just memory changes that happen as Alzheimer's and other dementias progress, that there are significant emotional changes that happen too. And anxiety is a a really prevalent emotion that people with dementia experience, whether it be in the early stages and The person um, in a previous episode, we talked about anisognosia, where the person has this lack of insight into their condition. For the small part of the dementia population who is not experiencing that, the anxiety around what is to come, are they going to be a burden as the disease progresses, to the anxiety of when the person starts to lose track of time and is concerned if they're going to miss an appointment, Um, to refusing to participate in activities because they're not quite sure, they're anxious about how this is going to progress. I just think there's so many different examples of how anxiety can be so prevalent in a person with these dementing conditions. Absolutely. And when you think about it, um, when you combine this with all that's going on in the world and that anxiety provoking news that we hear. And sometimes that's even become the soundtrack of our lives these days in our homes. And we've got news and social media 24 seven. And you combine that with those personal stressors that people might be feeling isolation, maybe their grandchildren are living with them, or maybe um, they've got home repairs or car repairs, or they're just feeling overwhelmed. And maybe it's combined with the fact that their person is refusing to engage and they don't want to go and be a part of programs or get involved with those life enrichment activities that that we know are going to be really great for them. So those kind of things are just so hard and cause this intensified anxiety for the person who's living with dementia and for the caregiver. I'm so excited about our conversation today with Michelle. I think this is going to be really enlightening as we examine not only what is the root of anxiety and and how it can show itself in a person with the disease, but most importantly, how can we help them navigate this? So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Janice. Hi, Heather. Thanks, ladies, for having me. Now, before we dive into anxiety, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Tell us about your journey and what led you to connect with the dementia community. Sure. So I uh, started out in social work in 2007, and I've worked with um, a variety of different populations. But in 2016, I started working for a large outpatient medical center, and I just uh, so happened I would get so many referrals for caregivers of those with dementia um, in this outpatient setting and working with the caregivers and hearing their stories 
giving them actual, being able to give them actual practical tools to help themselves and their loved one with dementia was just so rewarding um, when they would put them into practice and they would be able to kind of change the dynamic between them and their loved one just by using a few different tools. Um, and so when I came, I moved, I was in California and I moved to Tucson and found out about Banner Alzheimer's Institute and have been working here ever since and just really enjoy working with the caregivers and the person with dementia and being able to really impact their relationship in a positive way. Well, Michelle, I think we're all looking forward to learning some of those simple strategies. But before we get into that, can we talk about why are we even having this conversation? Why are we talking about anxiety and dementia right now? Sure. I think it's a really important topic, especially, you know, over the course of the last year with people being more and more isolated and at home and facing things such as, um, you know, boredom, like I said, isolation, not being able to get out and go to adult day health centers, you know, see friends, participate in those daily activities. I've noticed that a lot of my patients have and clients have been getting more noticing that their loved one with dementia and even the caregiver too having more and more anxiety. And there, there hasn't really been a lot of focus in the past on the emotional changes that take place with dementia. And these are considered behavioral changes and they're very common, like you were saying, and an increased understanding of kind of how the anxiety and dementia shows up can grow the caregiver's level of empathy and really reduce that, that caregiver frustration um, around, you know, some of the behaviors that the person with dementia is having, especially with anxiety. Michelle, can you just break it down for us? I mean, what is anxiety? We hear that word often, especially these days. And I'm just wondering if you can share with us a little bit about what it actually is. Sure. So anxiety can show up in a lot of different ways. It can show up as moodiness, increased temper, crankiness, rapid mood changes. Um, it has to do with being anxious, nervous, worried. Sometimes you might notice in the person shortness of breath. And if you kind of ask them what's going on, they may be having racing thoughts and fears. And as you may notice, if you are loving somebody with dementia who has anxiety, this affects that person's ability to rest, relax, sleep. And, you know, the thing with dementia is that emotions fluctuate with changes in the brain. And because dementia triggers patterns of emotional and behavioral changes, sort of depending on the areas that are affected in the brain. So emotion and memory are very, very closely connected, you know, specifically uh, some type of anxiety, you know, as the primary emotion that we're talking about today. And, you know, it's important to remember when we think about what is anxiety, uh, the person with dementia, you know, can no longer understand time concepts a lot of times and has sort of lost the ability to plan and carry out uh, activities independently. So that right there can cause a lot of anxiety on, the, on behalf of putting so much pressure on the caregiver because they're sort of looking for them to kind of guide their day and be their eyes and ears. You know, Michelle, I just had a recent conversation with a caregiver who was sharing something similar where she brought a beloved um, activity to her mother who had dementia and, and thought, here, I'm doing this great thing. And the mom just kind of 
refused to do it. And it was because she was anxious. She didn't understand to do what to do with these materials anymore. So I can really see how anxiety can be the root of a lot of challenges for caregivers and their person. Now, I know not all anxieties are created equal. There's a few different kinds out there. Could you help us differentiate the different types of anxiety? Sure. So I think there's two kind of most common types of anxiety, anticipatory anxiety uh, and separation anxiety. And when we think about anticipatory anxiety, that's really thinking about the person has concerns about the future um, and they're becoming more and more reliant on others. And so if others is just one part, maybe you, just the caregiver, um, if you're listening, it could be about, you know, the, the anticipatory anxiety could be about an upcoming event or situation. Uh, and that could be, you know, in that one, you know, kind of a simple strategy for to reduce the anticipatory anxiety around upcoming events is just to simply not to pre-announce things and really think about utilizing some of, something called uh, compensatory strategies to manage memory changes. So that could be that you just have a calendar for the day. So maybe you don't have a calendar for the month like you used to have, if that's what you're used to, but you and your loved one just have a calendar for the day and you just have the events on there. So that way you're creating some structure for that person and they kind of know what's coming up for the day, but they're not so overwhelmed with seeing what's coming up for the month. So that can kind of reduce some of that anticipatory anxiety and really trying to not uh, pre-announce things that are coming up. And this will help uh, that person, you and your loved one to help stay more in the moment. The other thing that um, I notice some of my um, patients with dementia struggle with is um, worry about the disease progression and the future. And am I going to be placed somewhere? And are they going to you know, drop me off somewhere and never look back and, you know, just worry about, you know, what, what the future holds. So that's, that's kind of um, looking at that anticipatory anxiety and a couple um, tips right there for how to manage that. And the other one I want to just touch on is the separation anxiety. And this can kind of be occur when the caregiver is not in view, or perhaps they're, you know, in another room or they're in the shower And the person with dementia may start searching for you or searching for the caregiver. Um, It may show up as them trying to follow you um, because they're really having that fear that they're going to be abandoned. And the person with dementia, uh, remember, has lost their sense of time oftentimes, and they're reliant on the caregiver to be their eyes and ears like we talked about. So they may, um, you know, really be able, be starting to cling to you a little bit more. So those are just a couple types of anxiety to look out for. Thanks for sharing those with us. You know, it really makes sense when you think about that anticipatory and that separation anxiety uh, causing those symptoms. And I just wondered if you could break that down for us a little bit more. So what's going on in the brain that's causing our people who have dementia to have these heightened um, feelings of, of anxiety? Sure. I think that's a really good and important question. So remember with that sense of uh, a loss of time and disorientation, and again, with Janice, what you were talking about in the beginning, kind of being inundated with the news and social media, you know, all those things can be really negative and it can cause somebody a lot of 
of worry and stress. And when we have worry and stress, sometimes we go into overdrive mode and we get into this kind of fight or flight uh, way of thinking. And when we're in that way of thinking, we're using the part of our nervous system that basically says, I either need to fight back, do something, or run, run away, get away from this situation. And when we're in that part of our nervous system, we're not thinking clearly. So if you can think about the last time that you were really, really stressed, you perhaps were having somewhat of a brain fog. You couldn't really think uh, what to do next in a clear manner. And so that's really what can happen if we're watching you know, the news, focusing on negative things, not paying attention to what's going well, focusing on what's going wrong, focusing on the deficits or what we're, what we're not retaining in terms of um, if it's a person with dementia, you know, worried about memory, losing memory, worried about, you know, what's going to happen in the future. When we do that and we have these racing thoughts, you also may notice um, your person may have a higher heart rate, their blood pressure may go up, they're, you know, releasing more stress hormones. And again, they're not thinking clearly and that can cause that anxiety. So what we, we want to think about is how can we get that person to sort of switch over into that calm part of their nervous system, which is best known as sort of that rest and digest, relaxation part, right? So when we think of those two parts of the nervous system, we wanna really focus when we're easing anxiety on how to get that person into that sort of more restful part of the, of the body. And so there's a couple ways to do that. Sort of the most effective way is just by simply breathing exercises. And I love breathing exercises because they can be done anywhere. You don't need equipment. You don't need a timer. You don't need a watch. You don't need to be outside or inside. You know, you can do it in your bed. You can do it anywhere. And I just, I just had a couple yesterday and actually I see them for couples counseling and um, the husband, the spouse has uh, Louis body dementia and the wife is the primary caregiver. And uh, I, they're both pretty anxious. He's anxious about his deficits and she's anxious about how you know, he's been falling. Um, you know, he sort of has um, some of those Parkinsonian features of Louis body dementia. So, you know, they're both have high anxiety. So I simply just said, if you can do five to 10 deep breaths, in the morning and at night, that will help relieve some of that anxiety. So I gave them that homework yesterday, so we'll have to follow up and see how it's going. <laughs> but it's just one little, you know, kind of um, way to sort of shift from that anxiety state of being to sort of a different state of being, you know, and you want to think about switching in that other part of your nervous system so you can calm yourself and your care partner and your, your loved one down um, and so that's really going to help relieve some of that anxiety. And there are so many other ways too, uh, that we can help relieve anxiety, whether that's through music, meditation, nature, a big is physical exercise. Every time I read a chart note from one of our neurologists, it says recommendation to stay physically active. So that's like huge, you know, and it doesn't have to be some huge outing. It could be walking to the mailbox twice a day, you know, like just getting outside and getting some fresh air. So I think those are just a couple of things to kind of think about. Those are all great examples. And I love the cheap and easy strategies that we can kind of implement into our day-to-day -day lives. You mentioned how kind of behind the scenes, what's happening with anxiety, we're activating that fight or flight. But I know just like sometimes verbally, the words people with dementia are using 
don't quite match up with what they mean. Same with actions. I wonder if you could share with us some examples of how do people with dementia show that they are anxious? Yeah, so I it could be, you know, I think Heather, you gave a great example earlier. It could be presenting a familiar activity and your loved one doesn't want to engage with it. And we we need to remember that, you know, the person with dementia has does not have the ability to step into our reality and see things from our side, which our side is like, oh, my loved one used to love this activity. Let's say it's painting. Why don't they want to paint with me today? I'm presenting them with the paint. And your person with dementia may just shut down and just continue to watch TV. And you may see that as, oh, they're depressed or they have, they're apathetic, but they could just be anxious because that activity that used to be enjoyable is now really overwhelming to them. Because maybe you, you laid out five or six colors, you laid out two or three pieces of paper, there's three different size paintbrushes. So something you could do for that activity is you could just put out one or two colors one paintbrush, one piece of paper, and see if that makes a difference. Um, and because then the person may approach the activity a little bit differently and not have that anxiety about which brush to use, which color to use, which piece of paper to use. So we wanna really, again, think about stepping into their reality because they really don't have that ability to come in and see things from our perspective. I love that uh, statement, stepping into their reality. And I know that's something that caregivers can do, but it's a diff difficult thing to do sometimes. So what are some other things that a caregiver can do to help their person who has dementia? Yeah, that's, I, I love that question because there's, I feel like I have a plethora of, of answers for you. And, um, you know, I, but I think the most important thing is really remaining calm. You know, it's what, think about what am I bringing to the situation? Am I bringing more anxiety, agitation, frustration, irritability on top of my loved one already being anxious? Because we know that that can just escalate the situations. So if you're feeling anxious or agitated, that may be an opportunity for you to check in with yourself, take a step back, take a deep breath and reapproach the situation in a way that you feel you can bring some type of reassurance to your person, because a lot of times that's, that's what they're looking for in the moment, right? Anxiety is just that worry, worry about the future, worry about what is to come. And if we can really come help bring our loved one back to the moment, we can say what's going on right now. And a lot of times it's just about if we just name what's going on, two people sitting on a couch with music in the background, like that's what's going on right now. And so I think coming back to basics and really coming back to the moment with your person um, not only helps the person with dementia, but it's a great practice for the caregiver as well. And I think, you know, on top of that, it's a great practice for anybody in general. Reduce anxiety is to come back to the moment, right? Because if I'm in the moment, um, generally things aren't um, happening that I'm worried about. And we can just kind of um, another strategy is to just do grounding techniques. So sort of naming things that you see. So you could say there's the couch, there's the TV, my feet are on the ground, I'm wearing black, you know, so kind of doing some of these grounding techniques to come back to the moment. And also um, focusing really on what's going well, because again, with that negativity with the social media and the TV, you know, what we focus on grows. So if we focus on positivity, if we focus on gratitude, if we focus on what the person is still able to do, we're really giving ourselves a chance to have a 
different kind of life and a different kind of relationship with our loved one and the disease progression. And I think just even having that awareness is super helpful. And I don't wanna play down the importance of creating a routine. So we talked a little bit about a daily calendar. So just sort of having, you know, and it doesn't have to be a minute by minute or hour by hour routine, but that you just have blocks for for the day um, and you have certain things that you know you're gonna do, you know, during those, those blocks of the day. You know, one more thing I want to just touch on to relieve um, some of that anxiety is being able to engage your person. Boredom is a huge, huge trigger for anxiety that I find in my practice. So I had a, a gentleman who was a car mechanic and the, I was talking to the caregiver and she said, how do I get him to stop working on the car? He's going to break it. So that can be a really frustrating, anxiety provoking situation for both people. And so because he liked to fix things, I suggested she go to the thrift store and get a radio and take it apart and allow him to put it back together. Now, I told her to really pay attention to how she took it apart in case she would have to fix the rest of it if he didn't fix it properly so that she could put it back together, put the batteries in and get it playing. And, you know, he did it and it took him a couple of days and he felt, again, that sense of meaning, purpose and belonging that he felt when he was working. And it was just such a little thing. It cost her like 850 at the first store. And it really helped to relieve that boredom and anxiety. And so, you know, I think the main kind of, one of the main points is, you know, this is all so individualized. So, you know, your person and whatever uh, you think is gonna work best for them in terms of what their background was. Like I mentioned painting, I mentioned a mechanic. Um, whatever that is, kind of trying to bring that into the moment for your loved one. All of these are such interesting examples, and I think they apply not just for someone living with a dementia, but for all of us, too, the importance of kind of pulling ourselves back into the moment and controlling these racing thoughts. You know, when I think about times that I've had anxiety in my life, and I always gravitate towards music or some sort of craft. I know adult coloring books are so popular right now and it's because it's taking your attention and putting it right in the moment where it needs to be. I really agree. That's such a great, um, another great suggestion. I wonder if you could expand a little bit more on that kind of being in the moment and kind of centering yourself. Yeah, sure. So um, I think I mentioned the term grounding techniques. And so any type of um, breathing exercise, naming things in the room, I find that you can actually really be in the moment with anything you're doing. I know, you know, feeling the soil, gardening, planting things, music can really help somebody be in the moment, you know, taking some time to dance with your loved one, if that's something that they enjoyed going for a drive and just sort of, you know, pointing out to trees that you like flowers that you like, um, you know, really absorbing what colors are in the mountain. What does the sky look like today? Um, how many clouds do I see? Are there no clouds? You know, there's just so many different ways that we can help ourselves be grounded in the moment. And that's really going to help relieve some of that anxiety. Michelle, this has been such a, a helpful discussion today, all about anxiety in the person that we care for. I wonder if you could give us kind of your final thoughts when it comes to easing anxiety. Sure. So I think, um, you know, 
getting, getting support, you know, whether that's individual therapy, support groups, staying connected to others, talking to people who really understand your situation um, is going to be super important. And then just keep the focus on what, what your loved one can still do, you know, engage the senses, engage with animals, create that sense of purpose, um, help the person feel successful and, and try to have, you know, a day with as much routine as you can. And um, like we mentioned, just anything you can do to kind of stay in the moment is going to be key. Well, our conversation today has been with Michelle Fadul, licensed clinical social worker with Banner Alzheimer's Institute. We really appreciate you helping us untangle the topic of anxiety and dementia. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been great to have you. We just love how you've shared your really in-depth insights. You've been a fabulous guest and thanks for joining us today. Thanks you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dementia Untangled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation please visit our website at banneralz.org and follow us on Facebook to learn more about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com.